We've been waiting a long time for the trades. They finally arrived, and they keep on coming as we're recording. We're going to break down what we know so far. And uh, by the time you're hearing this tomorrow, a lot more will have happened. We'll break down Monday's trades and trades next week when uh, the deadline is all said and done. One guy who isn't leaving, though, is Thomas Hurdle. He got extended by the San Jose Sharks. Was it the best play? Also, the Florida Panthers, not the Tampa Bay Lightning, are the Florida team going all in. Will it pay off? Episode 312 of the Lace Mup Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Before we go to uh, the Hurdle and Giroux news, we are going to rhyme off some trades. Brett, we'll start with you and uh, the Florida Panthers getting a shutdown defenseman. Well, actually, first I have to say a little bit of a disclaimer first, because uh, according to Cap Friendlies, there's 21 hours or 20, 21 hours, 46 minutes, and 43 seconds left before the trade deadline happens. Um, we do know that uh, Mark Giordano is uh, going to Toronto. We don't know the return just yet, and we'll, and as uh, Steve said in the, the front of the show, um, we'll cover all the other trades on Monday, but since there's already been a fair amount of trades already, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, that's what we're doing this time on the show. Um, of course, the big one with Claude Giroux going to Florida. Um, but, um, but I also want to mention that, uh, we, we didn't even cover, I, I do want to briefly mention, uh, Robert Haig is going to Florida, uh, Buffalo gets a sixth round pick, um, which was Calgary's sixth round pick in 2022. Uh, the Senators are getting Travis Hamanick from the Senators, um, uh, sorry, from the, the Canucks, uh, the Canucks are receiving their 2022 third round pick that was theirs originally which is interesting um oh wait i know i guess that, that i guess that makes sense um then you have uh the detroit red wings are getting um are getting rid of troy stetcher um and they're sending them to la or sending him to la for a seventh round pick in 2022 and lastly travis dermott is going to vancouver um, and Toronto receives a third round pick from Winnipeg in 2022, or that was originally of Winnipeg's. Um, also, we should mention that Peter, uh, Peter Morazic was put on waivers, um, and that's because uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs signed Harry Sateri, who's a goaltender who uh, happened to win the Olympic gold for Finland a month ago. Um, so that's something that's kind of interesting. Uh, they also... They've had this like rookie goaltender. Uh, um, his last—I forget his first name—but his last name is Shelgren, um, even though it's like pronounced Kelgren. Um, it's one of those like the K is. Yeah, it's one of those that, Shillington yeah, type of names exactly. where it's like it not even close. I would say. So so it's interesting that they're also getting Harry Sateri. Um, but yeah, I guess like how far has. Uh, Peter Morazic fallen that like he gets waived and he's probably not going to get picked up. 
um, in Toronto. But, like, to the point, uh, Jack Campbell is injured, to be fair, so it's not, like, um, it's it's uh, hard to say that. But, like, even to the fact that, like, Peter Morazic is just, like, he's going to be getting waived. It's just insane to me that he's, okay, I guess he's going to the minors. And then Toronto's relying on these two rookies, uh, both who have, like, hardly even played AHL uh, games. <laughs> They're just hoping that, so, like, a Jordan Bennington type thing works out for them. And we'll see if that works or not. Um, yeah, why, why do I get the feeling that uh, they're going to make a big move at goaltending? Yeah. Um, I've heard that there was a uh, trade talk in Bowie Marc-Andre Fleury that never came to be, but there was talks that the Leafs were going to get Brandon Hagel and Marc-Andre Fleury. Right. Uh, that didn't really materialize, according to Darren Dreger. Um, Leafs could probably use Fleury, again, if they can find the cap space to afford him. That's a totally different story, but I feel like they're going to go after a goaltender, especially, again, like you said, if Campbell's hurt, Morazic isn't playing well and you send him down and you're relying on two rookie goaltenders, it's probably going to be a lead-up to something bigger. They also put uh, Kyle Clifford on waivers, so that's uh, That's another little bit extra cash they got floating around. Also, also apparently, Harry Sateri also has to clear waivers, so it, it is very possible that uh, both Sateri and Peter Morazic are getting are get claimed <laughs> uh, tomorrow, and then Toronto is screwed because then they don't have any goalies. Um, so <laughs> just maybe they'll they'll take back uh, David Ayers, but like this time, start him um, instead. Um, so so yeah, the, the, the <laughs> we might be in an issue if both of them get claimed, but I I don't know if. We'll see how much. Um, I mean, I know the Leafs are hated around the leagues, but I feel like that's just fans that are not Leafs fans uh, hate them. But uh, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Actual NHL organizations hate the Leafs as much. Um, anyways, uh, Ben Sheary, uh, uh We're gonna. We have a few trades to get to before we talk about Claude Giroux and Thomas Hurdle, um, which we'll get to in a second. But. Uh, yeah, so the way that we're going to do it is we're just, uh, because there's a lot to get to, we're just going to briefly talk about these trades. Uh, we'll probably mention them next week uh, when we go more in depth in the trade deadline, but we do want to mention them because they, you know, they happened. Um, so uh, Ben Chariot is going to the Florida Panthers. Montreal Canadiens get uh, Ty Smilanik. Um, a 2022 fourth round pick and a 2023 first round pick. Uh, the conditions on that fourth round pick from the Rangers, which was what they received from the Frank Fratrano trade, which happened. Oh, Frank, by the way, Frank Fratrano is going to the Rangers. Um, so that the uh, that Rangers fourth round pick is conditional in a previous trade with the Rangers. At the time of the previous trade, the Rangers owned their own fourth and Winnipeg's fourth. Florida will receive the lower of the two. So in the event that Florida receives the Winnipeg fourth, Montreal will instead receive Winnipeg's fourth. Um, So it just transfers over. Um, And then the other condition is on that 2023 first round pick. Uh, The Panthers first round pick in 2022 is top 10 protected. In the event that the Panthers retain their 2022 first round pick, they will no longer own their 2023 first round pick and Montreal would instead get their 2024 first round pick. So yeah, this um, this I, I like this deal for Florida and for Montreal too. Ty Smilanek is 
has been a pretty good player for uh, for them in college, and um, I think he's been decent in the NHL. I haven't actually looked, but um, I have heard of his name. Uh, but like Chariot's a nice like shutdown uh, D for them, and and that can certainly help their blue line um, as they chase their puck, uh, as they chase their cup. Um, and yeah, I, I think this could work. I remember specifically last year when uh, Chariot Chariot. I keep on saying Chariot, uh, like he's a, like a chariot, but it's it's actually Chariot. <laughs> sweet chariot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I just remember last year when uh, Chariot was like a huge factor um, for for Winnipeg. Um, or no, 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 for Montreal in getting to uh, like beating Winnipeg um, in in the bubble playoffs and Toronto in the bubble playoffs as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so I, I I think this could definitely help out if he is as good as he was in the playoffs. Um, he has been a little bit inconsistent this year, but that may just be because he's playing for Montreal. But uh, but yeah, this. This could this could be decent for Florida or like one of those low key moves. Like if Florida wins it all, it, it could be like oh Ben Chiriot had or Chirot had like a phenomenal Stanley Cup run, and that and that's what led to uh, them winning it all. So I, I I think this could could end up working out for them, but it it does like on the face of it, it does look like um, it's a huge deal because it's like a first round pick, a fourth round pick and a prospect all for like a shutdown D that seems kind of strange to me, but um, yeah, it could end up working out for them. Yeah. So um, just real quick, like Aaron Eckblad is on long-term injured reserve. The good news is uh, the injury is quote unquote, not as bad as the Panthers thought. Uh, so that's better than last year's season ending injury uh, prognosis. So um, not sure when Eckblad will be back, but he's going to miss a bit of time. Uh, so that's kind of why they went out and got Robert Haig as a bit of a depth piece. And Ben Sherrod is more of that shutdown defenseman. They're basically loading up to prepare for one of, uh, assuming they finish second, they're going to get one of uh, Toronto or Boston or even Tampa Bay. If, if Tampa Bay free falls, uh, they could get Tampa Bay in the first round. Um, they'll more than likely get Tampa Bay in the second round if they don't get them in the first round. And you also have the likes of the Rangers and the Hurricanes in the Metro. Pittsburgh, you never know what they could do. Washington, if they get hot, you know, they, they could be a team that you can't mess with. It, it's going to be a dogfight, and the Panthers are preparing for said dogfight. And uh, Schrott's going to help with that. Uh, Canadians retaining 50% of Schrott's cap it, so that's easier to digest. Uh, Sherrod also had a 10-team no-trade list, so he kind of sort of determined where he wanted to go. Brett, I want to give you a real quick trivia question uh, before we move on to the next trade. That first-round pick being top 10 protected, um, it's not going to Florida this year uh, because they had made a previous trade uh, with another team last offseason. So that uh, first-round pick, determining whether or not they keep it, uh, is going to another team. Can you guess which team, and can you guess the trade I'm talking about? Um, is that – well, actually, I was going to say the Sam Bennett trade, but I don't think that was a first-round pick. Um, but that's the only thing that's in my mind right now. So I'm going to say Sam Bennett in Calgary, but I, I don't think that's right. 
It was Sam Reinhardt in Buffalo. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. That's yeah, nice. Sam Reinhardt. Um, the Sabres uh, got a first-round pick in 2022 from Florida, so depending on what Florida does with that, that'll determine when Montreal gets there first. Interesting. But then, how, but then because Florida doesn't have their first-round pick, how did they... How are they able to trade it? Uh, so, so the uh, the first round pick is top ten protected, meaning it moves to twenty twenty floor twenty twenty four. If Florida keeps it, the the first is is uh, is conditional. So, um, it it it's um it's conditional because it depends on what Florida does with this pick. For whatever reason, if Florida decides to keep their first this year, then uh, then I think. Um, then I think Buffalo gets next year's first, and then uh, Montreal gets the twenty twenty four first. It's it's a weird stretch of events, but basically Florida is trading a lot of first round picks. Interesting to go all it. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, anyways, go. I, I feel like uh, let's let's go to the next trade here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll uh, we'll skim through these uh, real quick, folks. Yeah. I promise. Uh, Calgary getting a good depth forward by the name of Carly Yankroak, one of the best bargain signings um from eons ago it was a six-year contract with a two million cap hit uh they get to digest 50 percent of that so only one million is on calgary's books he's gonna be a free agent after this year seattle kraken getting a second in this year's draft 2022 they also get a third in 2023 and a seventh round pick in 2024 basically seattle just starting to load up on draft picks um you could see it coming. I like Kieran Croak. Um, he's a good depth guy with a bit of offensive pop. His two-way game is pretty good as well. Uh, Calgary's second-round pick that they're trading away in 2022, Brett, you mentioned the Sam Bennett yeah, deal. That's right. um, that was part of the Sam Bennett deal, so that is now going to Seattle. So basically, the Sam Bennett trade, uh, Calgary has turned those assets into Tyler Toffoli and Cali Aaron Croak, which is honestly yeah. not that bad. Yeah, for, for clarification that uh, Tyler Toffoli trade, uh, they traded one of the prospects that was involved in the yeah, Sam Bennett trade. Yeah, Emil Heineman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so they ended up, even though it looked bad, at, it could still be bad, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, it looked bad at the time, but they were able to uh, trade the, the things that they got from Sam Bennett and made them into actual players that can help them on their playoff run. Yeah. So that's kind of cool, too. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and plus a 23 third-round pick and a 2024 seventh-round pick. But, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see the – I'm sure Steve Dangle will do a trade tree on this, like, a couple of years from now, um, just mm. based on that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like this as a depth piece. Callie Yarncock was uh, – actually was pretty decent. I mean, we talked about them last week uh, for Seattle. But, uh, yeah, he was uh, – he had been uh, he had been pretty decent for them for Seattle. So I am curious to see like how he's going to do on like a, I guess he, he's not going to have the, some, the same role as he had in Seattle, but I'm sure he's not complaining considering Calgary is one of the best teams in the league and they have a good shot at the cup. So, so maybe that, that has part of it, but, um, and, and, you know, he's a free agent this year, so they could, um, he could just go back to Seattle, I guess, <laughs> which would be kind of funny. Um, so then, uh, this next trade, was actually one of the ones where, like, when I saw the return, I was like, oh my god, how, what what's going on? Um, how is this happening? Uh, but anyways, it's the famous Brandon Hagel. Uh, he's going to Tampa Bay. 
they all Tampa Bay also receives a 2022 fourth round pick um, and a 2024 fourth round pick from Chicago. Um, and then Chicago receives uh, Taylor Radish, Boris Kachuk, um, a 2023 first round pick, which is conditional, um, that's top 10 uh, protected, and also a 2024 first round pick from Tampa, that's also top 10 protected as well. Um, so yeah, Tampa Bay saw what Florida was doing here, just like we can trade first round picks too. Exactly, exactly. We did it last year as well. Yeah. So, uh, so Brandon Hagel actually had a pretty good, uh, has had a pretty good year so far. He's had 37 points in 55 games um, uh, this uh, this year um, and 21 goals, um, particularly like when he's like, you know, on the Chicago Blackhawks team that's, you know, I mean, yeah, they had to bring Kat, they had Patrick Kane and Seth Jones, but they're not really known for their offense and stuff. So that's pretty good. However, um, and he's also 23 years old. He has two more years left with 1.5 million on his cap it. So it is net, it is a nice contract as well um, if he continues on this pace. However, having said that, last year he had 24 points in 52 games. Uh, this is his first year where he's reached that 20 goal point uh, goal sp- uh, spread. So like the, the fact that he was able to garner two first round picks and two decent prospects at that as well, Boris Kachuk and uh, Taylor Radish, all for like a trade where you know he's pro- like uh, I would imagine Brandon Hagel's going to fill that Blake Coleman role, Yanni Gord type thing where he's going to be on the bottom six, but like that's a lot to trade for a um, a depth guy um, at most. But at the same time, like Tampa, it's like like I, I like Tampa has won the cup the last two years. Uh, they draft spectacularly, they trade spectacularly, they scout spectacularly, they develop spectacularly. So it's like, it's hard to really criticize Tampa at this point. And so clearly they know what they, they are doing. I, I feel like um, I, I don't, I, I could see this uh, paying off for them in the long run. But at the same time, it's just, I feel like it's so much stuff for Tampa that they're, like I could see that falling flat on their face at the same time too. Um, because like I was talking to Steve, like pretty much like they're going to have to expect Brandon Hagel to get like 65 points or more um, to make it worth it. And um, I don't think he's going to do that. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think this, this is not going to work out for Tampa, but as I was saying, they do everything amazingly. Um, so at the same time, maybe, maybe Brandon Hagel's the next Nikita Kucherov. I have no idea. And I'm just, and then they'll be playing this clip back when, uh, when we hear that Brandon Hagel won the heart trophy or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I did not, I don't know what, what Tampa was, was doing with this trade, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's, I'm prepared for it to fall flat on my face. Um, my, my opinion on this trade right now. I'm about to tell you how you're going to fall flat on your face. First line for Tampa Bay on the left wing right now is Alex Kalorn. Okay. Second line left wing right now is Andre Palat, who is a pending free agent. Third line left winger right now is Brandon Hagel. 
he might be a third liner right now, but next year he could be on the first line or he could be on the second line, at which point 60 to 70 points is ideal. And he's only getting paid $1.5 million for this year, for next year, and the year after that. And then, get this, he's still an RFA. Yeah. They still control his rights once his contract's up. Yeah. I <laughs> like, just, this is so five-head. Like, yeah. I don't Juke and Radish are pretty good prospects for them, but, like, Tampa's chasing cups. Yeah. They can't wait around a couple of years if they feel like, if this is a deal worth making now and this guy can help us now, let's do it. There's no guarantees that Radish and Kachuk are really going to be effective roster players yeah. for them right now. And by the way, both of them, once next year rolls around, while Kachuk and Radish have two years left on their very uh, team-friendly deals, they're both two-way, which means if you send them down, they have to clear waivers. Yep. So now... Tampa Bay doesn't have to worry about that. Instead, they get two force, a guy under a very reasonable term for the next two years. They somehow save $16,000 in cap space. And they're the ones giving up two firsts and uh, Rash and Kachuk. Yeah. Um, it should be noted that Hagel signed this contract just last August. And uh, the, the main thing that I wanted to point out in this trade is the ripple effect that it's had on uh, the Chicago locker room, particularly with Jonathan Tate's. This was his comment after the trade went down. Quote, yeah, if Higgs is the guy to get traded, if he's not the guy that's part of a rebuild, then I don't know. I don't know if anyone feels safe at this point with the way he's been playing and what he's meant to our team. I had a hard time thinking in my mind that he would be one of the guys to get shipped off considering we what we what he brought in. Now all of a sudden you realize no one is their team and we could all be going in different directions in the near future it's pretty discouraging i'll leave it at that for now yeah. end quote that tells me that um the next couple of months are going to be very interesting in terms of what the hawks decide to do there it could be full scorch of the earth rebuild yep well this is what the chicago blackhawks should be doing so i, yeah. I don't they I should have done it a few yeah. years ago, but that, here we are. And, and for the record, the prospects, I don't have an issue with it. Or I, I guess, like, I, I can understand trading the first because, like, Tampa is going for it. You have to uh, trade what you have. What is interesting, and I didn't even realize this, Tampa still has their first-round pick right now, <laughs> like, this year. Like, they just traded the 23 <laughs> and 24 first-round picks. So that is a little bit better. But even still, like, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of crazy to trade your first round pick you do have a good point about like the fact that like Andre Pallad is 30 years old he's a UFA this year so um and like Alex Kilhorn um is also like he's decent but yeah I could see Brandon Hagel overturning them but at the same time this is Brandon Hagel's only good year in the NHL right now so it's like you have to hope that like so I I, I guess I'm more like resistant to say like it's very possible that this could like this run in Chicago was the only good like time that he's been good and you know when he's in Tampa maybe he falls back to what he was um beforehand uh and it's not like this guy had like a huge draft uh pedigree he was a sixth round pick in 2016 so so, yeah, I, I feel like it's like, yeah, he might have a, a top six potential. That doesn't mean that he's going to be good. Um, 
like, yeah, he's had a good season this year. I'll grant you that. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I'm just more wary that, like, I, I guess I'm worried about his consistency at this point um, than, like, just so it's, like, a lot to trade for someone who's only had one good year, pretty much. Two quick things that I'll point out before we move on. Last year, he had 24 points in 52 games. That's a 38-point pace over 82 games. So you're right. This year is on pace to be significantly better than last year. Yep. Last year, he averaged 13.59 per game. This year, 17.21. Yep. So now that he's getting more ice time, it, again, if if he if you get put him with all star players, yep. he, he could be putting up Michael Bunting type of numbers, and that's great for Tampa. Also, guess who he was drafted by? Buffalo Sabers. <laughs> yeah, a late round pick by the Sabers and the guy and the team that he signed with, not the Buffalo Sabers. Right, right, of course. He's Chicago, not Buffalo. Right. Um, I will um, I will grant you that uh, Victor Nuno, a friend of the podcast, he's uh, he's a big fan of Brandon Hagel, so he he likes this move for Tampa, um, and it's more along the lines of what you're saying. But yeah, at the same time, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm just curious to see how consistent um, Hagel can be. If he can be consistent, then yeah, this is a great trade for both teams. But I have a gut feeling it's going to age well so much so that I picked him up on my fantasy team before yeah. the trade deadline ends, yeah. so I'm happy about that. <laughs> I had a feeling you you were going to take that. We were going to disagree on this, so we'll see. Um, anyways, let's go to the next trade. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, oh lastly, um, lastly uh, I, I was just looking at this Taylor Radish um, he's only had like 12 points in 53 games for the Lightning this year, so that's not mm-hmm. too great. But maybe if he has more time for in Chicago, then maybe he'll become something. Boris Katchuk has just been—he um, had six points in 38 games for Tampa, um, so not not too stellar. But I guess both could have more ice time in Chicago, so that that could be interesting to look out for for sure. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so uh, just quickly gonna run this off because it's a it's a minor deal, but one yeah. of those minor deals that could have a big payoff. Minnesota Wild getting Nicholas Delorier in exchange for a twenty twenty three third. That's the price tag going Anaheim's way. Delorier is gonna be a free agent at the end of this year, only making a million dollars. Uh, Ducks trading players. It's gonna be a theme at the deadline. Yeah. We've seen it a couple of times. We'll talk more about uh, the other pieces that went um, and. Ricard Raquel, the piece that could go perhaps on Monday, um, or uh, next week, I should say. Just really quickly, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this trend, but uh, the past couple of Stanley Cup winners, maybe even beyond that, they're not always the teams that really strike it rich on trade deadline day. It's usually a couple of minor deals to build up on what they already have. Do the Minnesota Wild probably need more to contend for a Stanley Cup? I would argue they do. Do they have the cap space to still make it happen? I would argue they can find ways uh, to get that done. But it could be one of those minor trades that turns into a big bargain for the Minnesota Wild. So just keep that in mind as the season goes along. Yeah, I I don't think, like, just looking at Delorier's uh, stats or throughout his career, he's not that much of a scorer, but, like, he does, like, from a fantasy perspective, he does hit a lot. Um, he has 210 hits already in 61 games, um, and so so that that's pretty good, obviously, um, and um, and yeah, he's probably going to be a fourth liner for Minnesota, but 
that's okay. And yeah, this should the, like Anaheim made a couple of moves already, but like this should have been a trade that you know this is what Anaheim should have been doing um, a long time ago. Um, yeah. All right. You you look at you look at Patrick Maroon and what he did with the Lightning the, uh, the past couple of uh, cup runs that they've been on. Um, those Stanley Cup winners usually have a couple of those guys. Yeah. And uh, not saying Delore is as good as Patrick Maroon, but like he can he can serve as a valuable tool, especially when you have Marcus Foligno skating around the ice and dating people too. It just adds a, a physical element to your game. Yep. And obviously, you still need speed and skill to get it done. But um, I feel like Minnesota lacked a little bit of grit, especially with Hartman and Felino having increased offensive roles. Uh, so the fact that they get a guy like Delorier on the, the bottom six is pretty pivotal, I think. Yep. Uh, this is uh, this next trade is kind of like a like it, it's it feels like it's a like a trading a fourth liner for another fourth liner. Um, and it's interesting because it's an interdivision trade too. So like they may end up, like Colorado and Minnesota may end up uh, being like uh, a playoff matchup at, at some point. But anyways, Colorado gets uh, Nico Sturm and uh, Minnesota gets Tyson Jost. Um, this is a yeah, this is an interesting trade for both teams. Uh, Tyson Jost actually had quite a like a good pedigree trap pedigree he was the first round pick he went 10th overall in 2016 believe it or not Mm -hmm. um and yeah and then he had like the following year he uh had 35 points in uh 33 games for north dakota uh university of north dakota um and yeah he kept on playing in colorado never really got going um but uh but yeah maybe and he's already played two games in minnesota hasn't gotten any points yet but uh, but yeah, maybe this this you know maybe he's just getting going and something like that. And but um, but yeah, Minnesota is also like as deep as Colorado is. So I don't know if this is the perfect fit for him because I feel like I would be curious to see what he would be able to do on like a top six line um, or top six. You know, uh, yeah, tops one of the top six um, instead of like a bottom. Uh, six for like a like a good team uh, but uh, but yeah this could end up working out for them um, and then Nico Sturm is another interesting one he's had a little bit more success in the NHL than Tyson Jost has had but um, but at the same time I, I think this is something that Minnesota could afford to lose especially when like Marco Rossi Adam Beckman uh, a few other centers that I'm I'm blanking on um, in uh, Minnesota's system so yeah, Nico's term um, is going to Colorado the other way. He's um, yeah, he's just a center for them, and yeah, this could be an interesting move too. And like you were saying with Delorier, this could be something where like at the end of the day, if Colorado or Minnesota goes far in the playoffs, we'll be like looking back and saying like, okay, Tyson Jost was the difference, or Nico Sturm was the difference. Uh, for them and uh, they'll be happy they made this trade but at the moment it feels like it's a minor it's a minor trade at the moment um minor trades um also giving colorado a little bit of cap space to work with they save 1.275 million keep in mind also that uh, gabriel landeskog is out long term so you put his cap hit on ltir they still have money to work with heading into monday so 
I'm interested to see what they do with it. Uh, now that a couple of star players are off the market, there are still some other guys they could get to fill some voids. Nico Sturm, I think, is a good bond six addition for Colorado. And I would um, uh, agree with you, Brett, where uh, Tyson Yost could be a good bottom six forward, but I think he's a bottom six forward with upside. If you take a look at daily faceoff right now and look at the centermen uh, right now, the last update lineup, March 19th, so that was Saturday, had Ryan Hartman as the first line center, Freddie Goudreau as the second line center, if you can believe that, Joel Erickson Eck on the third line, and Tyson Yost on the fourth line. Tyson Yost could play with Fiala and Boldy if, if he displays good chemistry. So, again, over the next couple of weeks, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets uh, some top six minutes, and we'll see what he does with them. Yep, yep. Um, all right, uh, so now we go to the next trade where I guess it's the common team is involved here, or <laughs> from the previous trade we just talked about. Yeah, and uh, remember what we said about the Anaheim Ducks making trades? Well, uh, here's another one uh, that the Ducks made. was actually the first of many uh, that they made this week. Uh, Josh Manson, shutdown defenseman, uh, uh, providing a bit of shutdown relief uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, Believe it or not, he had 37 points in 80 games in 2017-18, his best offensive season by far. Since then, he hasn't reached 20 points, and he didn't reach 20 points in the season before that. The one thing that he can do is he can block shots, and he can also hit. He has 128 hits, 45 blocks this season with the Ducks. Uh, averages 19.39 per game. Um, so not getting PP one time there, but uh, definitely a guy that can provide a bit of stability, which is what they need. And allow guys like Devon Taves and Kale McCarr to continue uh, to, you know, do what they do best and put points on the board. Uh, Sam Girardi could also throw into that mix as well. Uh, they also um, got Anaheim to retain half of his uh, $4.1 million cap hit, so they only have to eat up $2.05 million of his cap hit. He's a free agent at the end of this year, 30 years old currently. He had a 12-team no-trade list. And uh, it was reported that he wasn't eager to waive it for Toronto, but uh, when Colorado came calling, it didn't take too much convincing uh, for him uh, to go to the abs. Uh, in terms of the return package, Drew Ellison, um, prospect that just turned pro with the Ducks this week, shortly after the trade happened, also a 2023 second-round pick uh, going to the Ducks in return. This is good for the Ducks as well because you look at uh, their defensive prospect pool, it's pretty impressive. And uh, at the moment, uh, they have Jamie Drysdale as well in the big leagues. They also have uh, Zellweger. Uh, they now have Hellison. They also have Thrun, Lacombe, uh, Drew, last name Drew, and uh, Hines as well in the system. So yep. the prospect of defenders just keeps on growing for the Ducks, and they have a nice future ahead of them. Yeah, um, by the way, uh, I think I mentioned this to you as well, but I was looking here when the trade happened. Uh, the Ducks have, a, I guess they really love the U.S. national team in 2018, 2019, because they have Trevor Zegers, of course. <laughs> they have Henry Thrun, who is also on that team. They also have, um, uh, and now they have uh, Drew Hellison. So Zegers, Thrun, and uh, Hellison were all teammates back in the day. Um, and then they also got uh, Cole Angelo. Uh, they drafted Pasujov. Uh, this wasn't on that. Those two weren't on that team. Uh, so, yeah, they, they love the U.S. national team. Um, so 
and of course John Gibson's American. They have a few other Americans on the team. Uh, but yeah, I don't think actually John Gibson went the CHL route, right? I don't think he went the college. Yeah, he played for the Kitchener Rangers to the yeah. Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, but he, it, he did play for Team USA at the World Juniors and was yeah. very very good. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, I guess the Ducks somehow just have an affinity for uh, American players, uh, which is interesting. Um, and yeah, could end up working out for them in the long run. We'll see. Yeah, um, just maybe. But yeah, Drew Hellis and I actually have, um, like, I, I watch play a little bit because I watch some BC games. But uh, yeah, he, he has some offensive potential, but I think he's more known for, like, a shutdown defensive defenseman, or that's going to be how uh, the Anaheim Ducks are going to use him, I would imagine. Uh, which is good because that can help out guys like Jamie Drysdale or Olin Zellweger or whoever that ends up being. Um, so so that could definitely help them out from that standpoint. Um, and yeah, it seems like Josh Manson was more of a shutdown guy. So um, so you have this, like, it's basically you're trading for a younger version of um, the guy you just traded for. So, like, you're, you're trading for a younger Josh Manson in a way. Um, so that could certainly help them out. Um, so, uh, j- just taking a look at Colorado's lineup uh, real quick. Uh, Devin Taves on the left side and Kale McCarr on the right. That's your first pairing for Colorado. Yep. Uh, this is uh, updated as of uh, March 18th, so that was Friday. Uh, Ryan Murray on the left side, Josh Manson on the right. That's your second pairing. Jack Johnson on the left, Eric Johnson on the right. The two Johnsons, uh, not related. Uh, that's your third pairing there, and uh, on the injured reserve, they have Bowen Byram and Sam Gerrard in the mix too. So uh, they definitely have a few options to work with. Yep, yeah. Um, uh, and then, uh, so then, lastly, we're saving the, the best for last. Uh, the Ducks made another trade. Uh, they traded Hampus Lindholm to the Boston Bruins. Um, and, uh, yeah, Cody Caron is going as well um, to the Boston Bruins, and the Ducks retain 50%. Um, going to Anaheim, uh, Urho back on Einen, uh, John Moore. And then you have uh, the 2022 first-round pick, the 2023 second-round pick, and a 2024 second-round pick. Um and then, um, oh yeah, and we'll, we'll get to Hampus Lindholm reassigning with the Boston Bruins in a second. But uh, to start, yeah, I, I actually, you know, I, I think uh, Hampus Lindholm is a deep, it's interesting when the Ducks and the Bruins make a trade because I do watch a fair amount of Ducks games and I obviously I watch a lot of Bruins games as well. So I'm aware of like how Hampus Lindholm plays and stuff. Uh, but of course he's a left-handed defenseman. And that's something that the Bruins definitely need. Um, it seems like you, you know, even though when he was drafted um, back in 2012, he was known as a six overall pick. Um, in 2012, he had some offensive potential, but in the when he went to Anaheim, he just never got it going. Um, so I imagine that um, that's going to be more of what we're going to see of him in Boston. But, like, you know, even still, like, some of these points, like, 34 points in 78 games, his rookie year, which is in bat, or his second year in the league. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he had 28 points um, in 80 games. 
Uh, sometimes he had like 22 points in 55 games a few years ago. Then he had six points in 18 games uh, last year. Uh, this year he had 22 points in 61 games, so that's not terrible. I think the thing with uh, Hampus Lindholm is he's never healthy, though. Um, so I, it's kind of like an Andre Cache situation uh, where it's like, okay, he's, he's decent when he's uh, healthy, but if, he, like, if he's not going to be healthy for half the year, then I don't know how good he can be. Um, but yeah, like just, just looking around these, it's like, you know, the 30 point guy, I would, I would not complain to, to see that. Um, I, I am acting like, uh, he's going to be a part of the team for the future. And that's because he is, he signed, uh, he just signed a deal today for eight years or, uh, 6.5 million per year. Um, this I don't necessarily love. Um, mostly just because I don't know if I liked the fact that he, um, like, as I was mentioning before, just the injury risk. Um, I'm not sure I love it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if he can work, if he can stay healthy and all that stuff, and I you know I don't think the Bruins are going to be competing anytime soon, so maybe towards the later half of this contract it's not going to end up working out but it might not be a big deal because the Bruins will be rebuilding anyways. Uh, so I, I think this could end up working out. Um, other points I want to make. Um, I remember on his draft day, they, uh, like he had, um, I, like for some reason, this was like the first year I was like paying attention to the draft, but I remember they were saying that he, this was like the Nathan McKinnon, Sasha Barkov, uh, Seth Jones draft. Uh, but for some reason, I remember hearing about how the fact that he, like, uh, he was the best, he aced the conditioning test, and he was by far the best uh, conditioned uh, prospect um, in the draft class, um, by far, like, just to the point where they had to mention it on the draft, on draft day, uh, when he was drafted. So I was like, okay, this, this guy could be pretty good. And that kind of reminds me a little bit, like, of a Zdeno Chara uh, type player. Um, so, so yeah, if he can be like a Zidane Chara type person for us for eight years, then yeah, I, I can't complain. But at the moment, it's like, I don't, I'm not sure what they're doing right now. Um, also, I will say that like right now we have Charlie McAvoy, Matt Grizzlick, Brandon Carlo, and then if you add Hampus Lindholm, that's not a bad foursome, a top four foursome, and they're, they're all signed relatively long term. So that's not bad for a defensive core um, as you're, you know, for like two of those guys are going to be on the ice uh, for long terms. And so it's like, it is a little strange. Um, however, saying that because like uh, we refused to sign Tory Krug uh, for a similar type deal like this. Um, and that, that seems kind of strange um, because like Tory Krug is a lot better than Ampus Lindholm is. Uh, no offense to Lindholm, but, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm going to choose to be, um, optimistic about this. Um, I, I do expect that there's going to be more trades, uh, from Boston, uh, tomorrow. Cause we still need to get like a top, a top six, another winger, I think, and another center possibly. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if Sweeney knows that you, 
we can you can trade with other teams that aren't the Ducks. Like I like the Ducks, but like he knows that you can trade with other teams. It's just <laughs> like the last. I think the last like couple of trades have been with the Ducks, um, and it, it's just yeah, it's kind of strange. I guess Sweeney just loves trading with the the Ducks. He he might be a, in love with Trevor Zegers as I am in love with Trevor Zegers too. So maybe he just wants to help out uh, Trevor Zegers in any way he can. And this is the part of the episode where I predict that Ricardo Raquel is going to be a member of the Boston yeah, Bruins by the time we record next yeah, I knew you were going to say that. that. I knew you were going to say that. I mean, I wouldn't, um, mind, I wouldn't mind that case, either. Okay, so this is where... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Brett, this is where I reveal the bad news to you. Yeah. Um, I'm prepared. Did you see the terms of the uh, Hampus Lindholm contract extension yet? Uh, yeah, you told me. But, uh, yeah, you can, you can tell the public. <laughs> Full no move, years one through five, 15 team no trade list, years six, seven, and eight. Mm-hmm. At 6.5 million over eight years. Yep. That is pretty dicey. Yep. Considering it'll be at 36 by the time the deal ends. And the term is apparently something the Ducks weren't willing to go with, uh, which is part of the reason why they traded him. So he got the eight years he was looking for. Yep. Uh, the good news for your Bruins, I will say. Fabian Lysil is still a Boston Bruin, yep. and Mason and Mason Laurie is still a Boston Bruin. Yep. So both of those are still For both now. those talented Bruins prospects are still on the yep. roster, and the Ducks retain fifty percent of Lindholm's cap hit for this year. So um, the Bruins can still go out and get some guys. Uh, so that's that's promising. Yep. Um, it's also good for Boston that they got rid of that uh, John Moore contract because unfortunately, yep. despite his best intentions, wasn't really helping the team out. Um, for whatever reason, and uh, you still have him on the books for another year if you if you decide to keep him uh, heading into the off season. So that's two point seven five million off the books. He's a twenty twenty three UFA, and the Ducks will probably keep him because they need somebody on defense. Vakanainen is an interesting defensive prospect. The real key portions of this deal for Anaheim are the three picks. If they hit on those. Um, could be yep. infinitely better uh, trade right away. But uh, the main piece of uh, the prize is uh, Lindholm going uh, to the Bruins. They needed that left-handed shot for quite some time. They finally got it. Um, the thing is, Tory Krug has had a couple of 40 to 50-point seasons, maybe even higher above that in his career. Uh, even, even with the 82-game pace in mind, Lindholm has never hit 40. Yep. He's never had a 40 per 82 game pace or anything above that. And his best uh, showing was his second year when he had 34 points in 78 games. So that's a 36 point pace over uh, over 82 games. Not really much of a shot generator, but he can hit. He can also block shots. He's had a couple hundred plus block shot seasons in his career. Um, and he can log 22 to 24 minutes per game for you. So he's the top four defenseman that uh, the Bruins have been looking for. Will he live up to the contract is the big question. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that is that is true and a fair point. Um, yeah, I didn't even really talk about the, the prospects or the Uro or, or Vakninen and John Moore leaving. Um, John Moore, I, I, I feel like that was, well, that was a bad contract <laughs> the moment they signed it. Um, and he hardly played for the Bruins. And when he did play, it, he wasn't really noticeable at all. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I guess it's, it's good that like at the very least, it's good that like he's gone, 
because um, it wasn't working out. So uh, at least I'm happy that he's gone. Uh, Urho Vekinainen, he had potential. Uh, he was more of a, like, uh, I, I think when um, when he was drafted in 2017, I remember reading that like he's more of a shutdown defenseman type player. So, so yeah, I guess the Ducks are just getting more defense, like shutdown defenseman type players um, instead. But, uh, but yeah, every, like, even still, like, eight points in 23 games isn't bad. That, that's the uh, this point titles he has from Providence. I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad. So he does have potential to score a little bit more. But, yeah, he's, he's probably just going to be more of, a, like, a, um, a shutdown defenseman. Um, but, like, definitely something that the, uh, the Bruins could afford to lose. Um, and yeah, you, you were right too. Like I just, I, I have email as proof that, um, I was just worried that like, uh, Lee Sal was going to be traded or, um, I, I could live with Stonica. I could live with Lurai, I think. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like Lee Sal is going to be something special and, uh, that, that's going to be annoying. Um, if he, if he does go. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't think the Bruins are truly over just yet. So, um, we'll see. Now, uh, as we were talking, Brad Cap friendly has updated the Giordano trade. Do you want to tackle it now or, uh, yeah, I did. Week? I did notice that. Um, let's see how many, like we are. Yeah, we, okay. We have some time, I guess we have 48, <laughs> 48 minutes in. Uh, yeah, I did notice that. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Do you want to cover it? Or you want to yeah, say? Yeah, I'll say I'll uh, tackle that because uh, I, I feel it uh, brings us even on uh, the trades covered there. Sure, sure. So, Toronto Maple Leafs are acquiring at fifty percent retained Mark Giordano, the stabilizing veteran presence uh, they've been looking for. Obviously, they got um, they they got uh, Travis Dermott uh, on the Canucks, so uh, that clears uh, the way there. Um, there were also chats about them going after Luke Shen uh, from the Canucks, so we'll see what happens on Monday. But uh, for now, they have Giordano. They also get an interesting addition on their bottom yeah. six, Colin Blackwell. You might remember the impressive season that he had with the Rangers' bottom six uh, before the Seattle expansion draft. He uh, is also going to the Leafs. The Seattle Kraken get three picks out of this deal, a second in this year's draft, 2022. They also get a second in next year's draft, 2023. And in 2024, they get a third round pick. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I saw reports that Colin Blackwell was going the other way as well. Um, and that was interesting, too, because he was finally getting going and hitting his stride. It felt like every net, like he was scoring a little bit um, when he was in Seattle. But, yeah, I guess I thought he was going to be a lot better than he was. But even still, like 17 points in 39 games, I guess isn't – Terrible, That's not, not great. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, exactly. Especially when he had like 20, 12 minutes of ice time. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's not bad for compared to the amount of ice time that he had. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I think this was in response to uh, the Bruins getting Lindholm and the Panthers getting Chariot, uh, uh, Um and yeah. so like. Mark Giordano is kind of your next best option. Not to mention that Giordano provides some veteran experience and um, all that stuff that Toronto desperately needs. So, um, so yeah, it could end up being that like of those three options, 
in the playoffs, Tor Toronto may have ended up getting the best option at defense um, of those three. But uh, but yeah, who, who's to really say? I, I feel like Mark Giordano, um, the writing was on the wall when uh, when he was drafted, and, and like when you see the team around him, it's just like okay, what what's going on? But um, I'm a little bit. The only thing I'm surprised about this trade is I thought like maybe Toronto would uh, give Seattle like a prospect back, but um, but yeah, at the same time, just giving them a couple of picks is is not bad at the same time. So yeah. Uh, I guess it should also be noted um, this this is a one of two uh, captain vacancies that have popped up because now oh, yeah. the Seattle Kraken no longer have a captain, yep. however short-lived it was. Uh, Mark Giordano is no longer the captain of the Kraken. He is on the Leafs. Yep. And I also just noticed in his age 38 season, 23 points in 59 game, or 55 games, rather, actually not bad. Yep. You know, considering his age and uh, considering – the offense that Seattle um, has produced, uh, yep. 23 points in 55 games at his age, I call that pretty good. Uh, the minus 21 isn't great, but, uh, I mean, the the Kraken have had a rough year, so Giordano's had to make do with whatever he can. Kind of surprised that they didn't get, they didn't manage to get a first-round pick out of him, but, um, but yeah, I, I guess a second-round pick isn't terrible either, so. Yeah. I, I, I think they went for a variety this time, which, uh, mind you, yeah. given where Seattle is right now, they're probably going to get a pretty high pick in the first round anyway. Right. So in a in a fairly in a fairly deep draft, if you can get a second next year, which is supposed to be uh, yep. pretty deep, and even a, a a mid to to low second of this year could be pretty good for them. So if they if they hit on those, uh, it could be a big return for them. Yeah, I'm trying to see if like if they have any players, more players that they could trade. I guess maybe Mason Appleton, Marcus Johansson, or Ryan Donato. Yeah, Johansson could be an interesting yeah. option. Yeah. Ryan Donato, um, maybe Hayden Fleury or Jeremy Lazan, but yeah, um, but those will get you a first round pick. Um, but yeah. but you could get something decent, I imagine. Um, it should also be noted that. Uh, in both round two this year and next year, they now have three picks. Yeah, that's interesting. They have three picks in the third, uh, second round this year and three next year. Yeah. So uh, they're loading up on seconds apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it, I think Giordano will definitely help um, Toronto as well because I feel like they've they've always been trying to improve their defense, um, and this will certainly do that for them. Um, what Seattle could also do is they could uh, they could further bolster their uh, pick selection by just taking on uh, salary of um, of contracts. So, like, if Phil Kessel or P.K. Subban get moved, maybe Seattle gets another second-round pick for taking on a bit of that money. Because yeah. they have cap space to work with now, and they don't really have any place to be at the moment. Right. Um, at the moment, they have the, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. They have the seventh most uh, cap space uh, right now for uh, NHL teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, so we have. I guess this is the uh, a good lead in. Well, it was going to be the the re-signings uh, was going to be the lead in because this is another re-signing. But um, but we were kind of uh, <laughs> we talked about Mark Giordano. Uh, now going back to the regular scheduled program. Uh, so, kind of like I guess, of all the things that we're about to talk about, 
the biggest, I think this might actually be the biggest surprise um, this week was that Thomas Hurdle yeah. um, is not getting traded. Um, in fact, he's getting re-signed or extended. His contract's getting extended. He's getting um, uh, for eight more years at $8.137 million. I love how specific it gets. Like it's not an eight per, by eight contract. It's like, Eight, or it's not even like a Sidney Crosby thing where he has like an 8.7, 8787. 8, it's like um, 8, 8.137500 um, so <laughs> for, for the rest of the, his contract. So it's just like a, a crazy kind of thing from that standpoint. But uh, yeah, Thomas Hurdle, um, yeah, so he, he's, uh, we, we had thought, we devoted a whole episode to this. Uh, where we thought that Thomas Hurdle was going to get traded, um, and it turns out he wasn't. Uh, this year, he's been pretty good, though. Uh, 49 points in 61 games, uh, 25 goals and 24 assists. Um, he's also, like, their, their top center. So it's not, like, a huge surprise that he uh, he signs there um, or, like, that, you know, that the Sharks want to keep him because uh, he is a good player. Um, I am curious if they had even thought of like trading him or like what were the offers that um, in order to get him. Um, but uh, but yeah, he, he's staying in San Jose. Um, he has uh, no movement clause for all the for the entire years because I know that Steve, you're gonna do that knowing you. Uh, he also has a no movement clause. Uh, he has a no movement clause for the first three years, um, and then he has a. Um, a thirteen, a fifteen-minute, a fifteen, oh no, a three-team trade list from twenty twenty-five to twenty twenty-seven. So for the next three years, he has a three-team trade list, and then for the, his last two years on the deal, he has a fifteen-team tra- uh, no trade list or a fifteen-team trade list, I should say. Um, so yeah, I, I I think this this is one of those things where I feel like the Sharks should be on a rebuild, um, and he is twenty-eight. So that means that he'll be 36 by the end of this uh, deal, which will probably look pretty bad at the end of this. Um, but um, but yeah, even it, like I think I would expect that the Sharks will probably be on the rebuild, despite what their president said uh, a couple of weeks ago about how like they're never the Sharks are never gonna rebuild, um, uh, which is kind of ridiculous uh, to say. But when the Sharks do rebuild, inevitably. Um, this is like, you know, even if you are going to get younger, uh, this is not a bad deal for the Sharks because Thomas Hurdle can help them out or help the young guys get accustomed to the league. Um, and, and he could be a good presence for them. Um, and I imagine that uh, once Logan Couture uh, retires, whenever that happens, although I guess he's also on a long-term contract as well, but uh, I imagine that Hurdle will be this, the captain of the Sharks uh, once that happens. But um, but that could also be a long time from now as well, because uh, uh, Logan Couture's. Do you know that Logan Couture's contract ends in 2026, 27? So, uh, so that that's kind of um, that'll be kind of crazy. But, um, but yeah, it's. Um, but yeah, speaking of which, I guess it's um, in terms of long term contracts. There are it's Logan Couture, uh, Thomas Hurdle, and Eric Carlson all have long-term contracts um, that are expand to 2026-27 uh, season. Um, and everyone else is, um, is real. And I guess you have Mark, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, 
four or five more years and you have Brent Burns for four more years. But pretty much everyone else is pretty sh much short term. So I think this could end up helping out the Sharks in the long term because it's just, but yeah, it, it, it is a little strange that we thought that uh, Hurdle would be gone because you could probably get a huge return out of Thomas Hurdle. And that is where the Sharks potentially screwed themselves. No. It's not the fact that Thomas Hurdle is worth keeping around because he is worth keeping around. And I definitely think he can live up to this contract. The problem is everything else that they've done leading up to this that's going to ultimately put them into a full-blown rebuild. I think they're in the stage that the Hawks were in around this time last year, heading into the offseason, where they're defiant and they're just like, yeah, we can still win. We can still be a playoff team. We can still contend for the Stanley right. Cup somehow. And they're going to find out in about a year that they're probably not going to do that yep. anytime soon. And I think part of this is Eric Carlson's comments from last year. Remember what he said, Brett? He said, I didn't, I didn't leave Ottawa to go through another rebuild. Or that wasn't verbatim what he said, but it was something to that effect. Yep. Like everything he went through in Ottawa, he didn't leave Ottawa just go to a rebuilding team. But, I mean, you look at Carlson's cap hit. It's $11.5 million for another five seasons after this one. And his total salary for the ensuing three seasons are 12, 11.5, and $11 million. And the lowest it goes down to is $7.5 million. He has a no move all the way through, so he basically gets to dictate where he goes if they trade him, which with that cap hit is going to be next to impossible especially uh, if he's either injured or not performing well. Uh, fortunately for Eric Carlson, he has sort of bounced back uh, 29 points, in, but he's only playing 38 games. That's the problem. But again, back to that offensive guy we were used to seeing. But is he 2016-17 Eric Carlson good? Okay, that, That's tough for me to say. Can we get and, back and to Hurdle? Uh, at a worse cap hit. Can we get back to Hurdle? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm getting back to Hurdle just because this is what? How many players that have been given three team trade lists? Like prior to looking at the San Jose Sharks cap situation, Brett, a couple of years ago, I didn't even know three team trades were a thing yeah. until Doug Wilson made them a thing. Right. Like Logan Couture, the captain of the Sharks, good leader. Has a lot of term on his deal, $8 million per year. He's got a three-team trade list. He's got one... He's got one right to the end of his deal, and similar to Eric Carlson, he's got five more years left on his deal after this one. A bit more manageable cap it, but again, he basically dictates where he goes. Nick Panino! Nick Panino even got uh, a no-trade clause. It's a five-team no-trade list, so they're not totally screwed. But they gave a no-trade clause to Nick Benino. They gave a no-trade clause to James Reimer, who, again, it's a five-team no-trade list, but still, he can mix a trade to five teams if he really wanted to. Mark Edward Vlasic has a no-move clause up until the end of next year. And then, oh, shocker, three-team trade list. Another one with a three-team trade list. Brent Burns has got three more years at $8 million. And right now, he's 37 years old. I didn't realize he was that old. But yeah, 
37 years old currently, so he'll be into his 40s. And you know what? The offensive numbers, they back it up. So when you... Going back to the Thomas Hurdle thing, Brett, similar to what I said many episodes ago, when you buy out Martin Jones and you're eating some of that cap and you're getting absolutely nothing in return for buying him out outside of a little bit of cap space, and Evander Kane, one of your best players... You have to terminate his contract, and you get nothing for him. Thomas Hurdle was the one guy that, you know what? If they traded him as tough as it would be, they could get some futures for him. But now that they've given him that contract with that no move, with a three-team trade after year three is done, and you're dealing with that for the bulk of the rest of his contract... Even if he plays well, then you've got to try to, to, to say, okay, well, we need to get rid of guys. We need to get rid of guys because we're going into a rebuild. We're going to keep Thomas Hurdle. We're going to maybe keep some other guys in the picture as well. But we need to find out um, which guys we can move out and get the best package for them. Again, because of the cap hits to other players, that's not going to be easy. Oh, and would you look at this, Timo Meyer career year. Guess who's scheduled to get paid after next year? Timo Meyer, and he currently makes six million dollars. Again, what are they going to do with him? Even though he's an RFA, are you going to? Is Timo Meyer going to be the sacrificial lamb because you've committed a lot of money to all of these guys and so much added terms to their contracts? That's a tough one for the Sharks to yep. swallow. Even if they move away a piece or two, I still don't think it's good enough for them to be a consistent playoff team. So, yeah, I like Thomas Hurdle. Yeah, I think he's a great player. Yes, I think he'll live up to the contract. But is it going to make the team better? No, it's not. So, counterpoint. Uh, okay. The uh, As I was mentioning, uh, there is... Um, well, first off, I, I think there is something to be said, uh, or according to Victor, uh, that the Sharks wanted to keep him and Thomas Hurdle, and like they were waiting to hear back on if Hurdle wanted to stay or not. And uh, Hurdle said that, yeah, he wants to stay in San Jose, and if he didn't, then I feel like the Sharks would have traded him. Um, so. Yeah. So I, I think there is something to be said about like not tr like even though yes I agree with you to some extent that like it doesn't make the most sense for the Sharks' future to trade uh, to sign this guy long term, um, but on the other hand, it it like you know I I think there is something to be said about like you know this sends a message to Timo Meyer this sends a message to um, like you know even. A William Eklund, or I know he's he's just getting started, but or the sends a message to pretty much everyone in the the market that like, you know, if you want to stay here, we're gonna we're gonna uh, pay you well and we're gonna keep you on board and things like that. So, um, so I, I I think there is something to be said about like just that human element to it, where it's like, okay, he wants Hurdle wanted to stay, the Sharks want to keep him. Uh, good let's let's uh let's keep him going and i think you know you don't want to have someone who doesn't want to leave and i I, sh I assume hurdles like aware that like okay this team's gonna suck once uh like once uh these players leave 
but uh, but yeah, at the same time, once like a lot of these players are get even older than he um, than they are right now. But uh, but yeah, just the fact that Hurdle wanted to stay, um, like yeah, I, I think that's like a, a big key to this, and it's something that uh, could help them out in the long run. Um, and also, I think like there there is that aspect in in like the worst case scenario. Um, if you look at like what Minnesota was doing, where they bought out uh, Zach Parise and Ryan Suter's contract um, at the end of the day, um, I, I think and like <laughs> that was even worth even more than Thomas Hurdle's making or will be making pretty soon. Um, that uh, and and that was mostly just because the, Minnesota did that just because they had a lot of young guys. Um, in their in their system not to say that like Parise and uh, Ryan Suter aren't capable they just weren't worth that much anymore so so if the worst case scenario happens then they'll yeah they'll probably buy out Thomas Hurdle but I'd imagine they won't do that one because he's probably going to be a captain and secondly um I I think he he will be worth this contract in the long run um I know but maybe maybe not the last two years maybe not the last three years but I, I, I would find it like I, I'd be willing to bet that uh, this will this will help them out. Um, also to mention the fact that like I know it's been a flat cap for the last couple of years, but um, I imagine that the cap will be going up pretty soon. So pretty soon a lot of guys will be paid even more that are like, like equal or uh, better than uh, Thomas Hurdle. And this contract could end up, maybe not like a bargain, obviously, $8 is nothing to sneeze at. But uh, the, like if the cap does go up, this contract could end up working out for them in the long run. True enough. Uh, I will also say, because um, it is worthy to note this, um, if they decide to go down the route of trading Thomas Hurdle, I just realized that uh, he currently has a three-team trade list in the final two years of his deal. Right. So um, he could still pick his landing spot, yep. even if they didn't keep him. Yeah, kind of like what Claude Giroux is doing. Yeah, I mean, that's another example, too. If we're, we're about to talk about Claude Giroux, it's like, you know, he had a great career in Philadelphia. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, I, don't, I don't think the Flyers are going to win the Cup anytime soon. So yeah, he's he's going away to to Florida, um, and and trying to get his cup. And I guess like <laughs> there's a potential that maybe he comes back, but uh, but I guess that's a good leadway to our next trade that we're going to talk about and our main topic, the Kadru yeah. trade. Um, so we actually like Thomas Hurdle. We actually mentioned Kadru possibly leaving and removing his no movement clause when we I think it was actually like. The following week after we talked about Hurdle, we talked about Giroux or something, or vice versa or something like that. I think it was in the same episode. It might was have it? been the same episode. Oh, because I thought what happened was is because we definitely talked about the Flyers fall. Oh, yeah. And then I right, think the okay. next episode yeah. was then we started talking. Because I remember specifically yeah. I didn't want to talk about Claude Giroux because I knew that because we just talked about Claude Giroux. <laughs> right okay yes yes okay that makes sense uh, uh but anyways uh let me pull this up here um so florida gets uh they get claude Giroux. they actually get a, a couple of prospects too jermaine uh rupsev rupsov and connor buneman um as well as a fifth round pick 
Um, the Flyers end up getting Owen Tippett, um, a third-round pick, a 2023 third-round pick, and a 2024 first-round pick. Um, and it's a conditional pick. That condition is if the pick is in a top 10, uh, Philadelphia will instead receive Florida's 2025 first-round pick. Um, so, so that's, um, yeah, that's definitely an interesting thing to uh, note. I think it was also like, there were rumors that it was either Florida or Colorado, but then it turned out that Claude Giroux would only go to, um, Florida. So maybe like if, if he had like more options then or that's why the, this trade is the way that it is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, at the same time, this, this could end up working out. There's also speculation that, um, that, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Flyers GM, I'm blanking on his name for some reason. Uh, Chuck Fletcher. Chuck Fletcher, right. Uh, there was speculation that Chuck Fletcher or Florida wanted to trade, um, Owen Tippett and Mackie Sam, Samoskevich, um, uh, but Florida wanted Dennis, like, didn't want Owen Tippett, um, and instead wanted Sam Oskevich and um, uh, Gregory Danisenko. And so I, I, like, and, like, just refused to trade with Owen Tippett. Um, and I thought that, like, meant that was meaning that, like, Owen Tippett wasn't good or wasn't playing well in uh, the AHL. And I just looked at his uh, AHL stats. Uh, Owen Tippett got, had 18 points, um, in 12 games for the Charlotte Checkers and he played today for Philadelphia as well. So I like, that's, that's not terrible. I, I, I had assumed like that meant like Owen Tippett's going to be like, uh, like is like just had been like a free fall and, and something like that. But that, that's not bad for the AHL. Um, anyways, uh, going back to it, we'll, we'll get to, uh, the Philadelphia side of it. Um, in a second, but uh, what happened was Claude Giroux played his 1,000th game in Philadelphia um, on Thursday, um, and then uh, he was going to, I guess the Flyers were playing, no wait, I guess I got the, oh no, no, that makes, the timeline makes sense. Uh, Friday, uh, they had a back-to-back, the Flyers had a back-to-back, uh, where they were going to Ottawa, and Claude Giroux was uh, pulled, so he didn't play then. And that was like an indicator that he's just, you know, he's about to get traded somewhere. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then he gets traded on Saturday um, to the uh, Florida. And, um, and yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's going to be weird seeing him in another uniform, especially since he's been uh, a part of the Flyers for 15 years, uh, which is insane. Um, he has 900 points in 1,000 games. Career-wise, uh, this year he's been pretty good. Um, obviously, forty-two points in fifty-seven games. Um, he, I mean, he's always been pretty good. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think this is this is definitely going to help out the Florida Panthers um, a lot. Um, like yeah, they have Sam Bennett, they have Sam Reinhart. Um, of course, they have Alex Barkov and Jonathan Huberto. Um, so yeah, this is like you know, and, and of course like Carter Verhage and and all these like guys so um yeah i think the the florida panthers are going to be the team to watch really um during these playoffs because uh yeah like adding claude Giroux to this mix that a team that's already pretty good um it's it's going to be pretty scary just to see once once they get going it's it's going to be uh 
fun to watch actually. Um, but yeah, I, I, and I guess this is just a show of how like, like not even like pretty relatively recently, the Florida Panthers weren't like, we're always like a bubble team or even like a lottery team. And, uh, yeah, now they, you know, I, I guess this is a testament to how good Bill Zito, um, has GM this, um, this team. Um, and not to mention the fact that like Joel Quenwell was the coach at the beginning of the year. And then, uh, they, they put in Andrew Burnett and Andrew Burnett has, uh, coached them to one of the best teams in the league right now. So, um, I think they actually, they might, I think they're the second best team. Um, but yeah, just the fact that, uh, Claude Giroux only wanted to go to Florida. Um, that's like a, a, it's a pretty good sign for the Florida Panthers and in the future, regardless of if this works out or not. Yeah, especially when you consider the lack of fans that they were drawing and the yeah. fact that they were consistently missing the playoffs. I feel like on a lot of teams, on a lot of people's no trade list, Florida was on the no trade list. Right. And all of a sudden, the only place that Drew wants to go to, he even snubbed Colorado to go to Florida. Yep. And yep. maybe it's the climate. I don't know. But to, to me, it, it says a bigger statement when you consider that Florida probably has one of the toughest paths to the Stanley Cup, potentially. Because of what I was listing in the Ben Sherrod trade. If you look at the Colorado Avalanche, sure, you might have Vegas in the way. You might have a couple of other teams like Minnesota and Nashville in the way as well. They could put up a fight against the Avalanche. But they're not Tampa Bay. They're not Carolina. They're not the Rangers. There are a lot of heavyweights just in the Atlantic division that Florida's got to contend with. And the fact that Claude Drew in the, is pursued for a championship decided to go to the team that probably has the best ro- one of the best rosters, but also one of the toughest rows to get there, especially considering they haven't won a playoff series since they last went to the finals, and that was in 96. Like... <laughs> They're they're getting a lot of experience, a lot of playoff experience with Claude Drew. He's been what uh, he's been to the Stanley Cup Finals before. He's um, now the former captain of the Philadelphia Flyers, so he brings leadership in that regard. And he also offers a little bit of offensive flexibility for the team because he has experience at right wing. He has experience down the middle, but right now he's listed as a left winger, which I find pretty interesting uh, for Florida. Uh, he's listed on the first line with uh, Barkov. Uh, center and Verhage on the right side. So that would move Huberto to line two on the left side. You'd have Bennett as the center there, Duclair on the left wing. Uh, then you have Luce Terrainen, uh on the third line, centering Mason Marchman and Sam Reinhardt, who yeah, crazy. Uh, is pr- having a good season in his own right. And then uh, on the fourth line, you have Noel Achari centering Joe Thornton and Connor Bonneman, who uh, is... Um, going uh, to Philly, and part of the reason is because, again, Frank Petrano uh, was moved out, so uh, that that could potentially um, lead to some line tweaks, but you know what? Who cares? Florida's got so much depth. they got so much chemistry. Yep. They might have uh, Anton Lundell out of the picture for the time being due to injury, but still, they can roll at least three pretty decent lines against you and the way they just dictate the pace is incredible. Yeah. So this is a huge get for the Panthers. I can't under I can't uh, state just how important 
getting Claude Giroux was, even if it's for half a season, because they're going to have to pay Huberto um, after next season ends. So I don't know if they can afford a Claude Giroux on a multi-year contract because of that. But I think they realize that we're only going to get so many chances with this amount of talent uh, before they all want to get paid at the same time. And we need to take advantage of this window that we have. So they go out and they get a shutdown defenseman like Ben Sherratt. They go out and they get a bit of defensive depth from Robert Haig. And then they go out and they make their big splash and they give up Claude Giroux. They didn't give up Denis Senko. They still have Semichkevich in the system. They have a lot of other talented prospects in the system waiting in the wings as well. There's a lot to like about this Panthers team. At the same time, they probably knew that Tampa was still going to contend. They were going to add a few pieces here and there. Um, I don't know what much else they could do. Maybe um, they shed cap by dealing Hornquist and getting some more cap space that way. So we'll see if, if they choose to do that or not. But overall, even even if Florida didn't do anything else right now, I think they're in a pretty good spot to um, at, at least legitimize themselves as a threat to go at least to the conference finals. Yeah. And it'll obviously depend on at what stage do they get Tampa Bay yep. and if they have enough. They're preparing for Tampa Bay. I don't think they're preparing for Toronto. I don't think they're preparing for Boston. They're, pre- they're preparing for their state rivals that beat them out in the playoffs in the first round last year. Yep. And they're doing everything they can to say, you're not getting us this year. We're going to face off against you, and we're going to win this best of seven. Well, what's interesting is, is that's not even a guarantee that that's going to be a playoff matchup. Uh, <laughs> they, they'll, they'll probably have to, like right now, they're the first round. They have the first, um, you know, they're, they're in the, the lead in the division. But, uh, you know, even still, like, if they get Boston or Toronto, Boston and Toronto could still, like, surprise. And um, I know that they, they're little, they're not as strong as Florida and Tampa are. But um, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, um, if the, they get upset or something like that. Um, so Yeah, believe it or not, um, yep. Florida ha- at 90 points is currently yep. um, ahead of Tampa by, I think, six points. Yep. But uh, between Tampa, Toronto, and Boston, they're only separated by three points. So yep. three teams separated by three points. Yep. Uh, there is a chance, a realistic chance, that Boston could finish second. Yeah, it, it could happen. I, th- my point was is that, like, either way, I don't, I don't think Tampa is going to be a wild card team. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not. Yeah. So, but assu- yeah. assuming that Tampa has what it takes to get out yeah. of the first round, they'll probably face Florida. Right, 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 right. So, so yeah, I, I don't think Florida is going to uh, – yeah, and I don't – like, but, like, that's still, like, not a guarantee. Like, even if they play Washington, who's another wild card team, um, yeah, I don't, th- I don't think that's, like, a guarantee that they're going to get out of, the uh, like, the first round. But I do hear what you're saying. I, I do think that ultimately they are gearing up so that they can end up playing uh, Tampa Bay and beating Tampa Bay um, as well, which is interesting because it's like Sergei Bobrovsky has been decent this year, but like, you know, he, he wasn't good in the playoffs. Is Are we going to see more of that? Uh, Spencer Knight's been okay as well, but like, uh, again, he's still pretty young. Um, are they like he hasn't been as good as Bobrovsky has been? 
So, like, I, I'd be more concerned about their goaltending, especially if um, I know that they said that Aaron Ekblad is uh, not out for the season, but um, they might, you know, he might be week to week. Um, so that might be concerning, and who knows if he's going to be 100% when he gets back or not. Um, so, so that's always something to look out for. Um, and it's, it's, it is crazy when you are listing out those depth charts. I don't know how it's end up going to be and like who's going to be on the power play and stuff. I was trying to trade Sam Reinhardt in one of my leagues. And this guy was, con- um, was concerned because he thought that Sam Reinhardt was going to be knocked off of the power play line. And I was just like, like that, like even if that's true, like Sam Reinhardt's been incredible even without, without that. Just the fact that he's still like on the third line um it's amazing so um yeah just shows how good their depth are but yeah i mean yeah i see what you mean um so we do have a list of questions here uh what does this mean for philly uh we do want to talk about the philly side of things um i i I think it was it was a nice gesture that they allowed claude Giroux to play as a thousandths game on uh for philly instead of just like training him or like pulling him uh, before he reached that point because that would just be petty um, and kind mm-hmm. of concerning. Um, and who knows? Maybe they'll, like, you know, it, it does seem like Claude Giroux says that, like, he'll, he'll always have Philadelphia in his heart or something like that. So I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Claude Giroux comes back uh, next year in the offseason um, and he's just doing this so that he can chase the cup. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't... I, I, if I'm a Flyers fan, I may not hold out so much hope, but I, I could, see, like, just the way that he was talking about Philadelphia after his 1,000th game, I could see him maybe, like, maybe he could return to Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, this was just so, like, he, he does a Ray Bork stuff, but then he goes back to Philadelphia. <laughs> um, that would actually be kind of funny. But It could be one of those things yeah. where it's just Career is winding down. He signs a one-day contract right. to retire with the Flyers, or too. before he retires, he comes back for like a one-year contract. Right. Um, but he's still got a couple of seasons left for him to chase the cup and put up some good numbers. So I think he does that first. But again, if he likes Philly that much, then I suppose yep. never say never on a return as soon as next year. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. It would just be really funny though to see him like play on the same line as Owen Tippett. So he, like he played for the guy that he just got traded for a uh, year ago. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, we'll we'll uh, talk about that if that ever happens. Uh, but yeah, Owen Tippett. Um, this is actually a, a nice get for them. Um, it is funny that they like traded a ginger and they got a ginger back. So, um, so that's also good. Owen Tippett is a, a ginger as well as Claude Giroux, of course. Um, but yeah, as I was mentioning, uh, he had 18 points in 12 games in the for the Charlotte Checkers, and then when he went to Florida Panthers, he had 14 points in 42 games. Uh, he also played a little bit last year for the Panthers, where he had 18 points in 45 games. So that's not too bad. Um, and then previously, he also played for the Springfield Thunderbirds, where he had 40 points in 46 games. Um, I remember his draft year, he was kind of compared to like a Phil Kessel type, where he scores a lot of goals, but maybe is not as good defensively. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I, I think that, that you know if, if he does turn into a Phil Kessel type player, 
I think uh, the Flyers would be more than happy about that. Um, so, so yeah, I think that will be great. Of course, you can never replace a guy like Claude Giroux. He meant so much for the Philadelphia Flyers. But, um, but yeah, I think this is a nice return for them because Owen Tippett's going to be a pretty good player for them. Um, and, yeah, and who knows where Florida's going to be in 2024 when they have that first-round pick. So, um, so, yeah, maybe it could be, like, a late teens and um, who knows. Um, so... So that that could end up helping them out um, in the future as well. But, yeah, I like this for Philadelphia as well. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the offense works in Philadelphia with Giroux gone because uh, with him on uh, the – with him uh, gone from the left side, now James Van Riemsdyk is uh, the top-line left-wing option. Derek Broussard yep. is the first-line center. Uh, with Kay Mackinson on the right side. Uh, the second line features Kevin Hayes centering uh, Farabee on the left, Konechny on the right, and then you have Owen Tippett on the right side, uh, Lindblom on the, the left, centered by Morgan Frost. That's line three. Line four, Patrick Brown centering uh, Max Willman and uh, Zach McEwen left to right there. Um, so how – I don't know if the Flyers are going to be that much better offensively. Yep. Um, I, I still – I still don't th- like. Obviously, there's going to be guys like Justin Braun and Martin Jones that are going to immediately become the the short term. Like, okay, they're probably going to get moved. But beyond that, uh, the, given the fact that Chuck Fletcher was given this this rhetoric from the ownership that we have full confidence in Chuck Fletcher, and uh, Chuck Fletcher is going to be aggressive. Um, he's going to make us, he's probably, he's not afraid to make changes to fix things. I mean, what happens with Travis Konechny? Right. What happens with James Van Riemsdyk? Uh, I, I, I could see either of those guys, maybe both getting uh, moved out uh, during the off season. So I don't think the changes uh, start and end with Claude Giroux. I think uh, they're going to continue well into the off season. They do have a lot of good young players like uh, Cam York, um, that they have to look forward to. Obviously, there's Morgan Frost. Uh, there's a couple of other names that I'm blanking on. Uh, Tyson Forster is another one. Uh, I'm sure Brett will fill, uh, fill me in on uh, the others that I missed as well. Um, there's uh, Speaking of guys um, that could also be expendable, I've also been heard that in the trade room, Ivan Provorov's name has been thrown around, which, I mean, then all bets are off yeah. if Provorov goes. Um, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm not really sure what to expect out of Philly, uh, what their roster is going to look like, what they decide to do. Um, the, the, this is uh, – I'd be very tense if I'm a Flyers fan. I really don't know uh, what this team's going to look like, uh, even in a couple months from now. Well, I th- the, the, I'm trying to be more positive for the Flyers. I, I think uh, they're clearly in a rebuild mood uh, mode, um, and that's what they're doing. I guess the the issue. I is, wouldn't I wouldn't say a rebuild because if they were rebuilding, they wouldn't have signed Ristolainen. True, true. A yeah. contract. That, that's fair. <laughs> no, that, that, but I do think retool. I do think retool for sure. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I guess. Yeah, no, that's right. And I was going to get to the fact that like even though they have Kevin Hayes for five years and they have Cam Atkinson and Travis Konechny for four years, uh, they signed, uh, re-extended Joel Farabee for a, a long a term. Uh, mm-hmm. Couturier's also for a long-term. Ryan Ellis, of course, and as, as you mentioned, Rasmus was lining as well. So they have a, a few long-term contracts still going on. 
but I think like this trade was more of like, uh, okay, this is a lost season. Let's see what we can get for Claude Giroux, as sad as that's going to be. But uh, at least they got something. And, you know, Owen Tippett could end up being pretty good for them um, in the long term. Um, so And, again, they yeah. got as much as they could for him because, again, Claude yep. Giroux picked Florida. Right. Like, it, like, at the end of the day, he's going to Florida. It's like, okay, yep. we got to find a way to make a deal or we're going to lose it True. for nothing. So, well, like, like um, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I think, like, the Flyers probably did want Sam Escavich. They probably did want Denisenko. But uh, Owen Tippett's not that bad. Um, and, yeah, like, and they get a first-round pick in 2024. Yeah, Who knows not, what that could be? Not to mention the fact that, like, oh, well, Owen Tippett's older than both those guys. And, like, Sam Muscavich is still in college, so he couldn't even play right now. Uh, Denisenko, I guess, could also play right now, but he might take a little bit more time developing like, Owen Tippett, like, he played today, and he looked pretty good. Um, he, he played against the uh, Islanders. So I, I think that they're they're willing to uh, let Owen Tippett play and see what he has. And, um, yeah, we'll, they'll, they'll go for there, from there. But, um, yeah, and, and who knows how good Denisenko and Samuskevich ends up being, um, if those reports were true or not. But... Um, but yeah, I, I think they're they're trying to be like you know, and can't they have Cam York, Joel Farabee, um, so they have some young guys as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, maybe I don't know. I, I I think it's like they're they're trying to rebuild on the fly or do like a small retooling, as you were mentioning. But I don't know. I, I think it could end up working out for them, um, maybe. But. Um, but I guess it all depends on how good Owen Tippett can be. Uh, Just taking a look at some of uh, the prospects that they do have outside of Owen Tippett, they have yeah. uh, Elliot Denoyer, who is in uh, right. the juniors with Alvax Mooseheads. He's having himself uh, a pretty good year at the moment. Uh, Zade Wisdom has been a decent uh, depth player for the uh, OHL's Kingston Frontenacs. That's a uh, Shane Wright's junior team, so uh, they have a lot to look forward to there, potentially. Um, they've got a lot of talented uh, defensemen uh, in the mix as well. And, of course, they have Carter Hart. Yep. Carter Hart, I still think, has potential to provide a lot for this team. And once they get Sean Couturier back in the, in the lineup um, I, um, next year, I think um, Couturier could uh, be their next captain. I think yep. he's... Um, if they don't name him the captain right away, I think um, within a year or so, they'll yep. find out who their next captain is, and it's probably Couturier. Yeah, and don't forget about Ryan Ellis as well. He's, uh, he's Yeah, been Ryan Ellis is, for... is a solid leader for them, too. He'll, he'll, fact, uh, probably be a, a, he'll probably be a, an assistant captain. At, at the moment, he's not, but yeah. he probably will. Um, in fact, I wonder, because I know Ryan Ellis has only played four games this year. I wonder... Yeah. Like, this is a big, like, hypothetical, of course. But I wonder if Ryan Ellis was healthy, like, would the Flyers be doing all this stuff? Anyways, I, I don't think yeah. their season would be this bad. So um, that's just something to to uh, wonder. It, yep. Ifs and buts in an alternate universe. Right. What if Ryan Ellis was fully healthy? Right, right. <laughs> I know. I'm sure the Flyers are, like, that's, that's their main point of interest. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. Okay, other questions. I mean, we kind of talked about the Florida side of things, but uh, what does this mean for Florida? I didn't realize that the um, that uh, Connor Buneman and uh, 
what's what's his face uh Jermaine, Jermaine Rupsa, yeah. uh they're coming back to are they're going to Florida um so I, I know I haven't actually looked at uh Jermaine Rusev um lately but I I remember he was like a high caliber prospect at some point he was a high caliber prospect if I'm not mistaken I think he kind of fell out of favor with the Flyers a little yeah. bit so um the the fact that he was in this deal, I think it was more of a throw-in, like, you can have him as well. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I was just pulling up his stats, but um, it looks like it's going to take a while before I get to that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else on the Florida side of things? or? Well, again, just how um, – just how um, Claude Drew and, um, and how the lines are going to work because, obviously – before this they're averaging four to five goals yep. per game um like you you have guys again like i mentioned the daily face-off rankings um i don't know how much they're going to change but at the moment yep. you have barkov on one line huberto on another line and reinhardt on the third line yep like that's a lot of offense split into three different lines and and that's how that's how florida has really gotten to teams yep. is the uh, the pace they play at and the fact that uh, they've been killing so many different weapons on so many different lines. Um, in terms of uh, Rubsoff's numbers, uh, only yeah. six points in 37 AHL games. I was about to get so, to that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also Not minus great. 10. Uh, yeah. It should be noted that uh, Philly's farm team hasn't really been doing well either. So it's <laughs> yep. it's been pretty bad uh, all around uh, for them. In, in terms of uh, Connor Bunneman, uh he hasn't really done much. No points in 15 games, 11 points in 41 AHL games. Like I said, both teams have had it rough. Um, so yeah, I the the big the big piece of the puzzle I think for the Panthers um, again was another high caliber talent. Yep. And uh, Claude Drew is still that at, um, at as he enters 35. Yep. Yep. So yeah, this is a this this means a lot for Florida, of course. Uh, and then la- last question here, uh, does this push Florida over the edge to win the cup? I think it pushes them at least to round two of game seven. Okay. If, if I'm being honest, um, I think whoever their first round opponent is <laughs> on the off shots, Tampa Bay, well, that would be just dumb luck. Yeah. Um, but um, I think their, their first round opponents, it's probably going to take still five or six games and the games will be close, but I think Florida has the depth to survive. I think they've earned the right to at least put themselves where they're one game away from the conference finals. But again, that playoff experience, like you need more than just a one playoff series against Tampa Bay uh, spread across a couple of years from the round one playoff series against the Islanders, which shocker they lost. It, it takes a, a lot more than just those two series uh, to really establish that you're the team to beat out of everyone else. Um, I think if I'm Florida, if there is a way to get a, a e- even just like a short-term depth option at goaltender, like I'm just throwing this out there, Anton Forsberg of the Ottawa Senators. Yep. He might not be Marc-Andre Fleury, he might not be like a lot of the other names that are being thrown around. He might not have the resume that Brayden Holby has. He hasn't won a cup. But Anton Forsberg 
among goalies with at least 25 games played this year is 12th, 12th in the league in save percentage. And I think he's like 26th uh, overall in shots faced. In games where he's faced 40-plus shots, he's won four of the six. And that's on a bad Ottawa defense. Yeah. And in a lot of the games that he did that against, it was against teams like Toronto. It was against teams like Carolina, who he did it twice against. Uh, it was against uh, Minnesota and Vegas. Um, and I think one of those games was Florida, too. I, I could be wrong. But anyway, needless to say, even if they get a short-term cheap depth option and goal, just in case something happens with their current tandem, that's good enough. Because if something happens with Spencer Knight, their plan B right now is Jonas Johansson, who uh, is on injured reserve and also probably not as good as Anton Forsberg. Right. So if they can get a cheap option to shore up their goaltending i would take that if if florida can make it happen i would take that um so we'll see what they do on monday but um other than that in terms of like big big additions um i think florida's good yeah i mean i i mean this this trade definitely makes florida a lot better um i and and to your point i think this does help them beat tampa um but, like, at the same time, Toronto and Boston aren't going to be any, like, slouches either. Um, I know that they have their own issues as well. So, um, this could, uh, you know, that could definitely be the uh, another factor for them. And, yeah, I think you're right that, like, it does add to their depth. Um, and they already had incredible depth already. So, like, just to add to it is it, it, phenomenal. It, like, rivals Colorado. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I think like what it will come down to is your goaltending, um, and mm-hmm. if Bobrovsky can do it, great. Um, if Spencer Knight can do it, great. But uh, but yeah, I think um, these playoffs are it just it's all has to do with the goaltending. So if the goaltending sucks, then they're not going to get far. Obviously, um, <laughs> I feel like I'm saying the same thing just in different ways. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think this does put them over the top. I don't know, like at least to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, and obviously like you know that that depends on if like another team in the East goes uh, further or whatnot. But like I don't know if they can beat Pittsburgh or Carolina, um, or uh, I think they can beat Pittsburgh, um, yeah. maybe. If they face the Rangers, Carolina, Carolina is going to be a tough right. out. Well, I know you don't but like they, Pittsburgh. They, they have shown in the past they can beat Carolina. In previous years, they've gone yeah. toe-to-toe with Carolina. The games have been close, and they found a way to get wins. True. I mean, I know you don't like Pittsburgh, but I could see it happening where Tristan Jari just gets hot, and uh, and uh, and then, you, you know, you can never count out Sidney Crosby. So um, yeah. I, I could see Pittsburgh making a decent run. Uh, for sure, and they always make like a trade where it's like it's like Jeff Carter last year, so it's like okay, like they they know what they're doing. So, um, so yeah, I could see Pittsburgh making it out of the East for sure, um, and like even the Rangers, like uh, Shosturkin, uh, although he's kind of regressed a little bit since we last talked about him, but um, I could see Shosturkin being um, you know making it far enough for them for the Rangers. Um, 
And then, but like, even still, like, let's say Florida does become the Eastern Conference winner. I don't know if they can beat, it's good enough for beating Colorado or, um, yeah, I don't think, I think Colorado is still the favorite. Um, yeah. I think Colorado, in terms of Western Conference opponents, I think Colorado is probably their toughest uh, match. Yep. Um, I think Colorado lines up uh, perfectly with them in, right. in every single way. And who knows, maybe Landis Cog is back by that point. True. Maybe maybe for the finals yep. he's good to go, in which case uh, that that's a huge boost for the Avs there. Yep. Depending on what else they could get at the deadline, too, the Avs have a lot of cap True. space. Yep. I doubt they're finished. Yeah, I don't think Colorado's finished, and I because like that was the big speculation was that they were going to get Giroux ever since Landeskog was out. So now it's like, okay, who, where, who's Colorado going to do now? And I'm not even really and, sure. And now they Bill, can't get Hurdle because yeah, he's staying in San Jose, Hurdle. so he's out of the picture too. Right, right. So I, I'm not even sure. I guess Raquel, um, <laughs> that could happen. But, uh, I think Raquel is probably the most likely option because yeah. I doubt uh, the Preds would just give Forsberg to Colorado if they couldn't sign him. Right, they wouldn't right. give him to a division rival like that. Um, yeah, I'm trying. I I don't even know who else is out there that could uh, help Colorado or like a rental type piece. But yeah. Um, In terms of left wingers, I'm just uh, taking a look uh, at uh, cap friendly at the moment because um, yeah. uh, they I'm do have using uh, it too. position options there. Let me look. Um, oh, we're doing the same thing. Okay, that's great. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. Uh, Johnny, no, that <laughs> I was about to say Johnny Goudreau. That's not going to work. Um, trying to see Patrick Line. Um, Andrew Kopp could be an interesting one. Andrew Kopp's one, yeah. Andrew Kopp on Winnipeg, because uh, he's going to be a free agent, and I yeah. don't really get the sense that he's going to stick around, so Kopp could be an Max, interesting option there. Max Domi um, is one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Athanasiu could, could be another name yeah. that they go after, I Phil think. Kessel. Uh, well, the Kings are actually in the playoffs, so I don't think the Kings are going to trade anyone. <laughs> Uh, Phil yeah, Kessel, Phil Kessel um, yeah. is one of them. Riley Smith, I know Vegas is going to try to sh- shed yeah. some cap there, or if they want to make a run, so maybe they trade uh, Riley Riley Smith. Um, if they do trade Riley Smith, I, again, I doubt they give him to a team that could true. potentially just sweep yeah. him in the first round, yeah, especially when you consider. I don't know if you heard, Brett, that uh, Robin Leonard could uh, miss a lot of time apparently yeah. he has a cracked kneecap which Jeez. um is apparently something that can happen uh and yeah. it sounds very painful so that could sideline him for a good chunk of time here's the name lawson kraus yeah lawson kraus you, you you know what they've turned valerie nachushkin into a pretty decent uh yeah. offensive option why not Lawson Kraus? Lawson Kraus could be a, an interesting name to put out there. Although too. I, I feel like I want the Bruins to get Lawson Kraus, so I'm gonna try to. <laughs> I don't know. If, I'm gonna try to say like, okay, he's not that good, but uh, wink, wink, Don Sweeney, get him. Uh, that would be nice. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Anyways, um, that about does it for us here. Uh, yeah, again, there's, I don't think, I mean, I'm sure by the time I post this up, the, there's going to be more trades out there. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll, next week we'll talk a lot about the trade deadlines and all the other moves that we missed. Um, and yeah, it'll definitely be some fun. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Um, apparently there's 20 hours left in the trade deadline, so that's fun. Um, yeah, if you, uh, I'm Brett Duboff. Oh, um, did I... I'm- Wait, did I mention? Oh, I mentioned. Oh, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. And I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we'll talk more trade deadline content when the trade deadline is completed in episode 313 of the Lace Up Podcast. <laughs>